Hey, game. Hey, Wags. What you doing? I'm ready to drink. All right. From Barney's Legends Podcast, we've got a uh, former professional bartender here, Wags. What are you thinking? Uh, I think today we should make a Bernie Blast. And, of course, we're going to be using Leaf Spirits Vodka. And uh, then let's just go ahead and get started here, Dave, shall we? So let's do it. First of all, what we're going to do is we're going to put one and a half ounces of OJ in the bottom of an empty glass. So this is like a health drink then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to just cover that with ice. And then now we're going to move over to the side. And uh, if we could come in here and take a close look, uh, we're going to pour in uh, ingredients successively in separate mixing glass. We've got our vodka. Your choice of blue Caraco. Blue Caraco. Absolutely. Do they have green and gold Caraco, do you know? Uh, I, I don't think it would be necessary for green and gold. Okay. Um, as much as I love where your head's at, Dane, it's blue. And then we're going to put in some ginger ale. Four and a half ounces of lemonade. All right. And now we're ready to mix. So if you have a mixer, we could just go ahead. This is an old bartender trick. When you're at your tailgate, just pour it back and forth. We've got our main drink glass with the OJ. We're ready to go. I'll tell you what, I'm excited to drink some of this Leap Spirit vodka. Whatever it's in, it's going to be really good. I know that. All right. And finally, we are going to garnish with a lemon twist. Okay. There's the gold portion of our green and gold. Like it. There you go, Dan. Thanks, Wags. Let me have a sip. Still smooth. Leap Spirits vodka. Terrific. Thank you, Wags. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Go back, go! Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave the wish you good luck. Only thing I will All right, welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. Wags, how are you doing tonight? The Packers take business. Handle the Minnesota Vikings easily at Lambeau Field. All of a sudden, everything clears up one game away from somehow, some way, making it to the dance. Uh, but tonight, we're, we're talking about that Week 17 performance. So what did you see, Wags? How are you doing, man? How about those Green Bay Packers, baby? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Dane. We started uh, talking about playoff chances a few weeks ago, four weeks ago, I believe, right before the bye and the Packers beat the Bears. And it was, what, about 4% after that win? And it just ticked up and up. And here we are. Haven't gotten all the way home, uh, but we've been playing foot playoff football for the last month. And we're seeing this team get better and better. So uh, couldn't couldn't be happier because that's what it's all about is getting hot and uh, hopefully being healthy at the right time. And it seems like, you know, knock on wood, both of those things seem to be trending in the right direction. Certainly not going to get any easier from here on out. We're playing uh, some some good teams. Um, if we manage to get by Detroit, 
on Sunday night, and we'll be previewing that up uh, game on Thursday. Uh, then it's then it's going to be a quality team, uh, one of the top few seeds. Um, whoever lands that number two seed, it looks like if the Packers sneak in, uh, will definitely be hosting the Packers in the playoffs if we're able to take care of business for one more week. So Dane couldn't be happier about the prospects that we have in front of us uh, to be able to play, continue the season and play some playoff football. Yeah, it's it's uh it's incredible to see what we've been able to see. Um, but I'll tell you what, I can't believe it. But in week seventeen, we saw the most complete version that we've seen of the Packers. If you told me going into this game, uh, Rodgers, I believe threw for like one hundred fifty nine yards passing or something like that uh, on on Sunday. If you would have told me that that's what his total would have been, and that was the only stat I saw, I would have said that's probably a pretty rough game for the Packers. But the reality is, is um, they needed him to do exactly what he did, which is be efficient in, in important times and, and really, dare I say, manage the game because the special teams showed out, the defense showed out, and the Packers in the third quarter did something that uh, I, I don't remember the last time that they were able to do it. They killed basically an entire quarter of football, which is keeping the ball on the ground and, and converting on meaningful third down. So this was a Packers team that worked and played off each other on all three phases of the game with the, the early blemish, um, notwithstanding of the punt block. But this was a team that um, was, was just very, very strong uh, overall in all three phases of the game. And Wags, I think we have to start with that opening kickoff from Keyshawn Nixon, um, after that block, um, you know, the momentum all, uh, instantly looked, okay, this could be a little rough. The Packers defense holds the Vikings to a field goal um, somehow, some way early in that game. And then Keyshawn Nixon, I mean, take it from your hair wags. Keyshawn Nixon takes that ball to the house and, and great blocking uh, up front by those other 10 guys, by the way, as well. But he was gone, had the kicker to miss, made the kicker miss, and the, the Packers never looked back. It was just a masterful performance from Keisha Nixon, the guy going into the game that was questionable. Yeah, I, and I don't let's not gloss over that defensive stop. Yeah. The Vikings recovered the ball on the one yard line. And, you know, teams are going to score. I don't know what the exact percentages are, but teams are going to fall into the end zone you know, way more often than they're not in that situation. And uh, sure, I think the Vikings may have helped the Packers out a little bit with their play calls and certainly um, losing their, their, I guess, backup center uh, to an injury after that second play probably discombobulated them a little bit. Uh, but that said, uh, for the Packers defense, uh, how many times have we seen that situation? And they don't even have to be out down at the one yard line for the op- opponent to just, you know, stomp right into the end zone, usually on like the very next play. And not only did we force them to, to work on it, uh, we actually held them to that field goal. I thought that at that moment, Dane, even before the return by Keyshawn Nixon, I, I really felt like that set the tone. For this game and for the rest of that game, and certainly for it then to be backed up immediately by that kickoff return by Nixon, I think just put the stamp on it. You couldn't have said it better. They just never looked back, even though the game, you know, was still there was still a lot of football to play after that. Obviously, um, it, it really felt like okay, 
right off the bat, this is going to be the Packers day and it's not going to be the Vikings day. Uh, you said you cited the stats for Aaron Rodgers, but also if I would have told you that the Vikings were going to turn the ball over four times, that we we're going to have a kick return for a touchdown, a pick six, um, I, I think, you know, you would in a rush for 163 yards, ran the ball more times than we threw. Maybe you would have started to come around to the idea that the Packers uh, could have taken care of business in this game. So, uh, yeah, the, we'll get into the Aaron Rodgers stuff. And I mean, it's, it was just one of those games where we really didn't need him to do much. Um, he, he wasn't great, but it, it, it was a great game plan and things just fell our way. The defense dominated. And uh, despite, yeah, that one blunder on special teams, the Packers dominated in the special teams uh, overall with Minnesota missing a couple field goals, Mason Crosby hitting a 56 yarder right at, right before the half, um, <laughs> his longest ever field goal at Lambeau field. Uh, so, I, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it was just some of the things that were going on were just, you know, uh, you just kind of just tip your hat and say, if you're a Vikings fan or player and say, you know, it's just not our day. Uh, but that takes obviously nothing away from how high uh, a quality of game that the Packers played and how well they executed. So, Wags, um, let's stick with this Packers offense uh, for a little bit, um, because I, I, I would love to hear. I mean, there was a lot of individual standouts, I thought, of this game. But um, fair to say that it really began begins and ends on the shoulders of Aaron Jones in this one. He's a guy who um, only got 14 carries in the game, but um, over 100 yards rushing looked everything that we know Aaron Jones to be. Um, we said it uh, live during the game on Twitter, pound for pound, uh, you know, nobody's going to be as strong as Aaron Jones. Like he just, he plays a physical game in a physical game. Um, so how good was that performance and, and predicated by an offensive line that was just getting hats on bodies all game long, allowing Aaron Jones to get some major running lanes as well. Yeah, he looked fantastic. He looked fresher than he's looked in, dare I say, over a month. But before the bye, he was starting to, to to have some of those injuries he's dealing with. And I know he's still not 100%, but uh, averaging eight yards a carry. And it, it early on, Dane, um, you know, our offense wasn't totally clicking. I I was starting to feel a little bit of the just give Aaron Jones the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because it felt like, we were doing that. Aaron Jones picked up 10 yards and now it's Aaron Rodgers turn where he throws the ball right. twice. Uh, and, and he wasn't quite on his game early in this game. So I, I, I was getting a little antsy, <laughs> but Aaron Jones was fantastic. Uh, and our offensive line was fantastic. Um, I thought we yeah. really gave Minnesota a, a heavy dose of of runs around the outside. You could see that uh, out of the pony look, they were really trying to get some, some pitches and some misdirections. Um, so there were a few new wrinkles uh, that they added in there this week. Um, it looks like uh, certainly the Packers may have broken out the NFC uh, championship game film from a few years ago and, and figured out how to block on Zedaria Smith uh, because uh, <laughs> he looks like he uh, hasn't improved much in the run game uh, in terms of his defensive uh, prowess. Uh, uh, so they took advantage of it. And uh, Mercedes Lewis had some fantastic blocks. Uh, Josiah DeGuire had some fantastic blocks. 
uh, Alan Lazard did what he did, and they were just finding holes along that mm-hmm. edge all day, and, and Aaron Jones uh, took advantage of it. I, I was surprised by this, Dane. I, how many snaps do you think Aaron Jones got in this game against the Vikings? Well, I, I, I do know how many carries he got, uh, but um, but it was a low number. He got 14 carries. I don't know overall what he got, but I, I know um, to, to uh, amass 111 total rushing yards on that low of a number, it's just remarkable to me because it seemed like Jones um, was, you know, dominating throughout. Yeah, so I, I'm going to answer the question. He had 25 snaps, so he had 14 carries and, and two two catches in his 25 snaps. So when he was out on the field, they were giving him the ball. That's the same number of snaps that he played the previous week. And he only had eight touches, but that was still 33% of the plays when he was out there. So, um, so they were able to give him the ball and he was extremely productive, obviously, uh, but he, he didn't even increase his snaps. I think this bodes well. Uh, AJ Dillon wasn't as efficient as he had been in the previous few weeks. Um, he had to, uh, face a few more short yardage carries to be fair. Uh, but, um, you know, they were able to get him the lion's share of the snaps and Patrick Taylor actually had an increase in snaps as well, which makes sense considering the score of the game, uh, in the fourth quarter. But mm-hmm. that being said, um, we were able to get that out of Aaron Jones, I guess is my point, without having to really put a lot of um, uh, extra uh, tread on the tires, so to say, with the number of carries and number of snaps that he was out there. Uh, so hopefully they were able to keep him somewhat fresh and uh, he's good to go here this week. And and, and it, maybe he's going to be as healthy as he's been um, in the second half of the season headed into this big finale. So, um, so that was definitely exciting to see uh, for sure. Dane, what, can we talk a little bit about the pass offense? Um, yeah. What, what, what's your assessment of, of Aaron Rodgers' play? Because I get it. It's, it's really hard. You know, I'm not going to complain about it. They were ahead mm-hmm. 27 to three at the half. And I thought he played one of the worst halves of football he's played all season. Isn't that just mind blowing to think about? Am I wrong or am I, it was, you know, the way that the game was going, you know, there wasn't going to be any really any chance for him to get in a rhythm. Am I being overly critical or the fact that he took a sack on fourth and one and in, in a situation where you're on the Viking yeah. side of the field, um, you know, get rid of the ball. An interception there is no worse than a punt. Uh, and that's just, We've seen some of his decision-making. It's not just missing some of the throws. Some of his decision-making is slightly questionable uh, at times. He's taken some some bad sacks uh, in the last few weeks where it looked like he did have time to get rid of the football or throw it away or whatever he needed to do. Um, and so I don't know. They're just It was a little off. Thankfully, it like I said, didn't matter at all. Um, I, am I being too critical or, um, were, were there, was there something missing and did he answer that maybe with a, a few of the throws that he made in the second half? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you're right. There were definitely, there's definitely room for growth, uh, on that game. He wasn't the vintage Aaron Rodgers. uh, to your point, he didn't need to be, which is phenomenal. And he hasn't really needed to be this stretch run here as the Packers have positioned themselves for this uh, potential playoff berth. Um, but, um, you know, I do think he redeemed himself, particularly some in the third quarter with some of those third down conversions to Alan Lazard. Um, Lazard, um, while his numbers weren't flashy, 
Um, I think he had just a hair under 60 yards receiving. Uh, he was able to convert th- or three or four balls for first downs, four balls for first downs. Uh, and those were absolute strikes from Aaron Rodgers uh, on those plays. He also hit Aaron Jones early in the game. His stats would have been a little bigger. Um, now, granted, Jones flying down the sidelines, that's a really hard catch for a running back to make. But, um, you know, I, I think that Rodgers had some good throws early as well, but a bit of an up and down performance. But when we needed him to settle in and make some some um, important throws, uh, particularly in the third quarter to ice the game, Rodgers, I thought, was as good as you could ask him to be. And then, of course, in the fourth quarter, be able to bring that ball down and, and get it in the end zone for the Packers and kind of ice that football game. It was clear that Rodgers was having fun out there. And and in, in some respects, I was really encouraged to see that he could have a day where he has under 200 yards passing, a touchdown pass, but he was having a ton of fun. He looked like he was really motivated. And I think that's as important as anything is he's not a guy right now who's shaking his head because he's not getting his. If the Packers are winning, he looks like he's having a good time. And the guys are feeding off of Aaron Rodgers right now. And that's a really important distinction to make. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And like I said, I don't want to be overly critical, but we're going to hold Aaron to a higher standard, just like he holds himself to a higher standard. and. It, it's one of those things where at some point we're going to need to see a higher level of play from him, right? If, if we want this season to continue, um, uh, and advance, you know, if you few rounds into the playoffs or beyond that, we're going to be playing the best of the best teams here. And uh, we're not going to get away with that slim, slim margin of error and, and Aaron Rodgers not being at his best. We're going to need everything to be clicking uh, to be able to go in and beat some of these teams that are ahead of us uh, in the seating uh, and being on the road if we do make it into the playoffs. So uh, so I guess I'm just looking ahead a little bit. But, um, you know, one of the things I think, to be fair also, is he was taking some shots on the deep balls and just wasn't connecting in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Watson uh, wasn't, uh, you know, Probably wasn't quite a hundred percent, even though he was out there. I think it's fair to say. Um, there was one ball that maybe you would have liked to see him bring it down, but I thought the DB made a really nice pass breakup at the same time. So I, I, I can't really, uh, I wasn't too, uh, gonna beat him up too badly about that. Um, so if, as, as you said, if the Aaron Jones, uh, is able to make, it would have been a spectacular catch, but if he would have made that catch and Christian Watson makes one of those catches or they just connect on one of those as a whole different stat line for, for Aaron and, and we wouldn't be talking about it today. So, um, that's fair enough. Um, anything else on the offensive side of the ball that you wanted yeah. to touch on? You know, I do. Um, it's the tight end group. It's a group that you and I have talked about that's kind of largely been phased out of the pass game uh, over this stretch. Uh, but on Sunday, we we saw a bit of an emergence from Robert Tunyon. Tunyon with his first touchdown since week four. Um, but Mercedes Lewis playing the game, uh, his best game of the season. And by the way, Mercedes Lewis is a 150 career um, regular season games now that he's played in only the third tight end in NFL history to reach that number. So an absolutely incredible um, stat line for Mercedes Lewis to just, just be out there 
playing ball for this long in his career. He's a guy wags that a few years ago, I, I, I thought it was the last McCarthy year. I was like, oh, Mercedes Lewis came for a year before he's done in the NFL. All of a sudden, it's been five years or so, and he feels like as much of a Packer as anybody. So um, I thought he played really well uh, in the run game this week. And then Josiah Nagora went. Um, got the most snaps he's had in a number of weeks, uh, over 20 snaps in the game. Uh, he's really starting to carve out a role for himself uh, in, in a number of different kind of um, roles and routes um, that they're asking of him. Only one catch, uh, but in, in the run game, he's coming out of the backfield. He's being able to find uh, defenders in space that he's able to, to clean out. He's getting better blocking guys in space this year than he's been before. Um, we saw a pony look this last week with both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield. And then uh, Josiah DeGuara came across uh, the field to help lead a block for, for, um, for I believe it was A.J. Dillon on a play and kind of a pitch play. So they're being really creative with how they're using Josiah DeGuara right now. And that, when they drafted him in the third round is what we were hoping uh, we would get to. Uh, injuries early in his career had marred his, uh, you know, kind of his start. But all of a sudden, Josiah DeGuara is just a sneaky good football player for this Packers offense. And he creates mismatches uh, in the in the run game, but also in the pass game. And I think we might see more of him uh, inching forward because he's playing some top-notch football right now for this Packer offense. Yeah, absolutely. And and how about the rest of the offensive line? I, I know you're talking about the tight ends, um, but the way that they played um, certainly was, was just actually incredible. Uh, only gave up one sack. Uh, Bakhtiari, uh, that was on that fourth down. Uh, but, uh, you know, ap- outside of that, they were locked in. I thought we had all kinds of time to throw. Um, Rogers was very well protected. And I'll tell you what, uh, when you, whenever you run for 163 yards, that's a very productive day, five yards of carry. Um, so they did a great job. It was interesting, Dan. I don't know if you have any read on this, but, um, Yash Iman started at right tackle and then, mm-hmm. Zach Tom came in at first. I thought he might have been hurt, but Nyman was out there on some special teams snaps as well. So um, I'm not sure if they just felt better about Tom being out there on offense. You have to have full mobility and maybe Nyman was just not quite a hundred percent. So that was, that was the decision they made. Or do you think it was performance related and, and, and not necessarily so much on Nyman's part, but just with how well Zach Tom's been playing that they decided to stick him out there instead. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that and, and what we might see with that moving forward, because uh, we've been saying all season long, they're going to get their best five out there. And you and I both love Josh Nyman. Uh, yeah. but, um, if they feel Zach Tom's one of the best five, that's just going to be what it is. And um, with the way that he's playing, you can't really argue with that. So I don't know if you had any uh, additional information or insight on that decision, if that was more injury related or if if that was more performance related. You know, I do think it actually was a little bit injury related to your point, even though he was able to go back in, there's a difference between, uh, you know, having a body out there for a few snaps uh, than playing a full NFL game. Uh, The fact that Yash didn't go out there late in the game when they pulled a couple of the starters, including Zach Tom, um, it, it was uh, um, Tenuta, uh, one of the, the newer offensive linemen that went out and played right tackle, and Royce Newman went out uh, there as well. So it, it's not like we saw Yash out there later. So that leads me to believe it was more of an injury thing, or maybe he just wasn't 
wasn't quite, you know, where they wanted him to be. And maybe a bit of a maintenance thing as well, hoping that he was able to get ready uh, going forward because they're going to need Yash Nyman before this uh, year's over. And there's a chance that he's starting again at right tackle in week 18. I will say, Wags, I'm a little wary of what it is about this Packers team that they get close to a playoff berth or in the playoffs and they decide that Yash Nyman, who gets them there, no longer should play tackle for them. This has happened a couple times now where uh, there's been debate, should Yash Nyman be out there or should somebody else go play the right side? Uh, And this is the last couple of years due to injury. And for whatever reason, they always seem to go with somebody else and we see some problems in the playoffs. So um, I'm comfortable with Yash out there, but that's not a slight on Zach Tom. Tom has played phenomenal football. He's going to be starting for this Packers offensive line going forward, uh, you know, next year, if if it's not this year. And, um, you know, with the Bakhtiari situation, you never know when he's going to have to pitch in again. But um, all that's to say, I do think that there was an injury thing that they saw with Yash. He played a series and they probably went, you know what? He's not a hundred today. Let's pull him. Let's make sure that he's a hundred before he's out there. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I just didn't, I, wasn't a hundred percent sure. And to be fair, Yash missed a couple of days of practice last week and uh, it wasn't a sure thing that he was going to be out there at all on Sunday. So he toughed it out and was able to contribute um, with, with the snaps that he did put in. So hopefully he's fully healthy here moving forward. And um, either way though, you've got to feel great about this offensive line uh, as we hit the stretch run. Uh, it, It was uh, think about where we were at the beginning of the season with the offensive line and where we are now. I, I mean, uh, no David Bakhtiari, and we're all thinking, is this dude done? Like, done, done. Not going to play this season done. Um, uh, Not going to play the rest of his career done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elton Jenkins uh, did, missed a few first few games of the season. Started off at right tackle. We've got major issues on the interior. They move him back to left guard. Uh, you know, so I, we can go on down the line. Yash Nyman moves to right tackle. You know, we've got our best guys out there. The offensive line starts getting better and better and better every week. And we're at a point now where we've got that offensive line. We, I think we all thought we had. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I dare I say, this unit, this five or six guys that they have is, is a top five offensive line in the league right now. Um, And so if they're able to continue to gel and get better and better uh, here uh, this week and hopefully beyond, um, I I think the sky's the limit because, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before Aaron finds his rhythm. I am confident of that. I I really believe that. And um, with as dangerous as this rush game is right now and, and the way that the Packers finally, we've been talking about this as well since the beginning of the season, finally seem to have found their offensive and defensive identities. And it it couldn't have come at a better time. Do I wish it would have happened in week seven and it's continued through the remainder of the season? Yeah, because then we would probably be in the playoffs right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, all that matters is, is they got it figured out. This is a long season, and they've put themselves in a great position now uh, to be able to continue to get better. And uh, they're going to be a handful if they continue yes. to play this way for anybody that they face here moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Wags, um, you said it. They they were able they they went to the the brink, and it's not over yet. They got to get in. They got to beat a good Lions team. We'll talk about that on Thursday, um, but. 
they're still in position to do it. They're coming together. We've seen it a million times. If you watch the NFL at all, you know it's not about how you start in this league. It's how you finish. It's who gets hot at the right time, who's feeding off who, who has a couple breaks that go their way in important games. Folks, the Packers have been you know, pretty mediocre in some playoff games at Lambeau Field over the last few years. Um, so how about we go, we take care of business uh, against Detroit here in week 18 and then hit the road with a little extra motivation and try to prove everybody in the NFL world wrong because that's what this team's starting to look like. They're looking like a team that's trusting each other finally, a team that's got a chip on their shoulder. And 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 I dare I say nobody wants to play the Green Bay Packers uh, if they make the playoffs. I promise you, I don't care if it's San Francisco. I don't care if it's Philadelphia. It doesn't matter who it is. They do not want to play a very hot Green Bay Packers team that's playing on house money. Yeah, for sure. And and definitely not in the divisional round, right? So, no. uh, or the wild card round, I should say. Uh, so opening weekend, it's like, wait, shouldn't this be next week that yes. we have to face this team? Um, so anyway, um, Dane, I say we take care of a little business now and, and yeah. talk about our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, so the fans, the tradition. The glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday night. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. And uh, it's a surprise one, right, in this national championship game. I think we here in Big Ten country thought it might be Michigan, might be Ohio State, maybe both. Um, And instead, it's TCU against Georgia. So, Dane, I I, got to say – I. I'm I'm not a big betting man, but I would be pretty surprised if TCO's able to continue their magical run. I think my money would be on Georgia on this one. You know who would disagree with you on that is uh, Packers DB Innis Gaines, a uh, a, a TCU alum. I can promise you that. Um, but. Uh, this is just such a fun, fun, fun time of year, college football. And, um, and folks, all you have to do, is, you can put down these new customers, $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings, or excuse me, DraftKings, same game parlays. And Wags, this has been a lot of fun these last few weeks. The Packers have been going on a major run, and there's all these other parlays out there. Week 18 in the NFL. The NFL added this Week 18, and I think they did it because, um, you know, it's just that fun with DraftKings uh, same-game parlays. You can add more parlays in the last week of the year. I'm grateful that they did it because of it. It's been fun all year long, having a lot of fun doing these mixes and these matches, and of course, college football uh, coming up on Monday night. It's going to be just, it's an incredible time of year if you're a sports fan, and it's an incredible time of year if you're using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Yeah, you mentioned Thump, the the horn, TCU Horn Frog, but we've got a lot of Georgia Bulldogs on the defense as well. So, yeah, uh, Quay Walker, <laughs> Eric Stokes, um, you know Devonte Wyatt. So those guys might have uh, an interesting friendly wager, I think, mm-hmm. headed into this one. Uh, but that being said, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. New customers bet just five dollars on college football and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. That's code TPPN only. At DraftKings Sportsbook, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Dane, I think we might have buried the lead a little bit, starting with the offense. And um, how about this defense? 
and uh, the job that the whole defense, but uh, Jair Alexander, you know, all of our safeties got interceptions in this game. Uh, defensive line was just phenomenal. So everyone, uh, I thought, contributed in a dominating effort in this one. The Vikings obviously got a couple garbage time touchdowns, but uh, this defense was incredible. And the three points that they did give up, were what we talked about at the top um, because of a block punt that they recovered on the Packers' one-yard line. So just an incredible effort by this defense on Sunday. I, I don't even know where to start, but uh, maybe we got to start with Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I think out of a spot as any Wags, um, Jair was awesome. I've been critical of Jair at times this season. Jair Alexander early and often was just chirping at Justin Jefferson. You could see it getting under Jefferson's skin all game long. He was physical at the line of scrimmage. I don't think that Justin Jefferson is used to receivers at the NFL level trying to jam him at the line of scrimmage because if you miss on the jam, his speed, uh, you know, he's able to get away from you and make a big play. Jair Alexander has the makeup speed. Uh, to be able to catch up on a miss. And we saw a number of times, we said it during the game, Jair Alexander was bullying Justin Jefferson. He made Justin Jefferson look like an average wide receiver um, uh, on, on Sunday. And Jefferson is anything but an average receiver. He's a top three receiver in the league. But Jair Alexander played the performance of his career, I thought, to date uh, on Justin Jefferson. He was in his face. He was hitting with the line of scrimmage. He was all in his ear. You could see everything he was doing was frustrating Justin Jefferson. He was on him like a shadow. It was wonderful football. He was physical. He was smart. He was playing the mental game. He was everything you expect from an elite cornerback. And that's what Chai Alexander showed was that was an elite performance from an elite cornerback in an elite moment against an elite opponent. It was a wonderful performance from Jair. I can't say enough. I can't sing his praises enough. Roger said it after the game. If you talk, you got to back it up. Jair Alexander backed it up uh, on week 17 against Jefferson. Yeah, he didn't do it alone. Um, he was phenomenal, but uh, he had a lot of help. And honestly, I thought the coverage, the defensive backs, were, you know, they were on a string all game. I mean, you look at Razul Douglas, a couple pass breakup, one of them leading to a deflection right into Darnell Savage's lap that ends up being a pick six, big moment early in this game as well. And so it, it's one of those things where everybody was contributing. Um, I thought our safeties were uh, definitely very on point in this one, uh, more so than we've seen. So it seems like the communication or miscommunication issues that we've seen uh, in, in in earlier games this season seems to be, at least for now, cleaned up. So that's really good to see. But also just the general energy level, everyone swarming to the wow. ball. Uh, that was noticeable how much different that was than what we've seen from this Packers defense for much of this season. And it, it, it makes you question where that was all season. But, uh, that said, in this one, uh, they were all over the football, it, whether it was a run, whether it was a pass and they tackled well in the open field. Um, if the first guy didn't have a clean hit, he hung on and someone else or two other guys were, were right there. So, um, you know, it was a total all around effort, I, I think, from all 11 guys. Uh, on this defense. And so it, that was just really good to see. Defensive line 
while we didn't, you know, get a bunch of sacks on Kirk Cousins, I thought the pressure was there pretty much mm-hmm. all game on Kirk. And, and it was is really uh, up the middle, uh, which was causing a lot of problems where he was needing to get rid of the football. And, and aside from a couple of runs that he was able to scramble and pick up some yards, um, he, you know, he wasn't really able to do much when that pocket started to break down. Um, so that was phenomenal. TJ Slayton, um, really, I thought had kind of a breakout game. He's had a couple of them, but, um, he also had the pass deflection that led to Adrian Amos's interception. Um, and, and it was really just all over the run game as well. So, um, you know, it, it was contrib- contributions, uh, both up front and on the back end, uh, that also did a big part. And, and Jair Alexander being able to do his job, but, uh, certainly he was the guy that led the way, uh, backed up his chat and, uh, was able to lead this defense in just a massive effort and a big moment in this season. Wags. So you talk about TJ Slayton. Um, Matt LaFleur after the game said, you know, when you put tape in like that, uh, around here, that becomes the expectation. I, I love that kind of quote and that mentality from Matt LaFleur. That's, we talked about Slayton, the old pal of ours. When when he got drafted, we said, this guy can ball. We think that he can be a really good player. The Packers did something with the Dean Lowry injury that could really be a difference maker for this defense. And, and this is what it is. They moved Kenny Clark off the nose this week. And they put him on the outside, allowing TJ Slayton to start. Uh, and they started with a three-man front then of Clark, Slayton, and Jaron Reed. We saw the difference in energy start with that defensive line. Um, TJ Slayton was able to just beat up a second and third string center for the Minnesota Vikings. Like up and down the field, he was immovable, I thought, all times. Um, and, and the stat line, as you mentioned, with the, with the pass, um, he, he had a, a tackle for loss and the goal line stand, broke up a couple passes. I mean, he did a lot for them. But, Wags, I think that moving Kenny Clark off uh, that nose spot gives this defense another athlete uh, to, to go and get after the quarterback and cause pressure and, and just create more mismatches for opposing offensive lines. And it's just so important. Devontae Wyatt got the most snaps of his NFL career, I think, this past week as well. And he's really starting to ascend at the most important time as well, a first-round pick. Um, but so important to see this defensive line play. They played physical. We saw it early and often. They controlled the line of scrimmage against this Minnesota Vikings defense. And I thought that the interior defense uh, uh, linebacking core, they had their moments, but the defensive line were keeping them so damn clean. Um, they just were active. And you said it, Wags, there's a lot of energy on this defense, but I thought it really truly started up front. The guys behind the D-line get some of the stats and they should, uh, but the defensive line did their job. They made Kirk Cousins' day so challenging uh, throughout. Cousins was able to get the ball out of his hands, but there are so many scenarios where we saw Cousins have to get the ball out a little bit faster than he wanted to. Ball was off his mark. Receivers weren't exactly where they wanted to be, and that helped the DBs have the day that they had. So just kudos across the board to this defensive line, but as you mentioned, Huge performance from TJ Slayton. He got it started early. He stayed consistent throughout. And this is the kind of guy I think that he can be in this defense going forward. I, I don't I don't mean to oversell it, but I think TJ Slayton is a football player. He's a good player, and he's a guy who can really shift and help this defense play with more snaps. 
Yeah, and Devontae Wyatt had a career high in snaps. And awesome. while he didn't have any of those noticeable impact plays, he exactly what you just said, his presence out there allows somebody, and obviously Kenny Clark is the main guy you think of to move around a little bit. But also Jaron Reed has been playing yeah. some pretty good football, and I thought he had another nice performance as well. So these guys are just complementing each other fantastically. Uh, and it's great to see. Um, Dane, not to toot my own horn, but uh, if you'll recall, um, going into the bye, that was one of the adjustments I said yes. I wanted to see the defensive staff make. Uh, so apparently we've got someone uh, listening to our podcast. But uh, I, I, anyway, so Coach Barry, I appreciate you being a listener. Yes. Um, but kudos to the players, truly, because uh, they've gone out there. And it, it, we said last week, it's tough and we're not cheering for the fact that it took a Dean Lowry injury to make this happen. But the reality is I think it took a Dean Lowry injury for this to happen. And and it's, it's unfortunate to have to say that, but there's been a noticeable difference in the quality of the defensive line since Dean Lowry went out. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I know that that could just be coincidental, but what I'm seeing with my eyes and what we're seeing in the box score and what we're seeing uh, when we're watching some of these plays tells me that it's not a coincidence. Um, and uh, so it unlocked something. And if, if they, if we figured it out by accident, so be it. But uh, clearly this is something that is enabling the Packers defense. All of a sudden, these guys are able to really step up their game. And, and Kenny Clark, I, I certainly, I don't want to take anything away from him. It's almost kind of a whole hum strip sack uh, fumble recovery right. uh, was a, a big play in the game as well. And certainly the Packers had the ball uh, in hand at that moment. But if I can go down and score right before the half and get a touchdown, you know, um, it, it, it might be a little bit different in the second half, at least. So, um, I, I, it certainly wasn't an underrated play and, and another great performance from by Kenny Clark as well. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't say enough. And, and really the run defense too. Um, uh, Dane, yes. how about it? Really uh, holding Dalvin cook to 27 yards on nine carries. <laughs> and I know the Vikings, once they got down, they weren't going to be able to continue to run the ball, but I, I mean, it, there wasn't a moment in this game that Dalvin Cook really had any running room or creases uh, to do anything, and um, it, it was because the defensive line didn't give any gaps up front. Yeah, and and Wags uh, Campbell and Quay Walker each had eight tackles. I mean, we've seen a, a big jump in this defense as well with uh, Devondre Campbell being back and healthy. He's playing really good football and the guys are feeding around him. Um, this is the, I think the defense that they, they had envisioned having both of those guys, Walker and Campbell being able to be out there at the same time, uh, playing ball and doing different things. Uh, Wags, over the last number of weeks, Quay Walker has really started to, um, you know, may, maybe not in a splash play way, but he's really come into his own as a, um, as a pass defender believe it or not, um, uh, against tight ends and running backs. He, he's forcing incompletions. He's sticking on his man. Um, he's doing the types of things that you would expect and hope for out of a first-round pick. But this is a defensive unit right now. Um, you said it. They're feeding off each other. They're in the right and, – and I think more importantly, they're in the right positions right now to make a play and to maximize their talent. And that is not what we saw early in this year, but they are right now um, uh, pretty much across the board um, loving – to see where these guys are starting to line up and, and the trust that Joe Barry is having in these defenders. 
yeah, aside from the interception that Kirk threw in the fourth quarter, um, that I believe uh, Ford got came down yeah. with, you know, the other turnovers were forced by the defense. It wasn't the like the situation against the Dolphins the week before where you know, yeah, they were playing some 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 zone coverage and and made a read. So, and not taking anything away from Devondre Campbell and and uh, Razul Douglas for the interceptions that they made in in the in that game. Uh, but the reality is, is those were just pretty bad throws uh, mm-hmm. by a, a quarterback um, in Tua. And in this game, I felt like the defense was making those plays. It wasn't wasn't just bad throws and, and awful offense and awful performance by Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense. It was truly the defense playing at a high level and forcing the action. So um, I I don't know what it is. I predicted the Packers would get three or four uh, turnovers coming into this one. And you just looked at me like, boy, I hope you're right. <laughs> and I'm glad they proved me right. I'm glad you're right. You know, sometimes these turnovers come in bunches. I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's It shouldn't really have any explanation. There's no momentum thing that says you're going to get turnovers from game to game. But um, I'll tell you what, sometimes – defense so much of it is swagger and confidence because you're going to get beat but if you feel like you're just better than the other players that you're lined up against on a defensive side of the ball I think sometimes you can maybe have a little bit of an extra skip in your step and some sometimes you make your own luck I think on the defensive Mm. side of the ball Um, so we'll talk about what I think the defense can do against the Detroit Lions on Thursday but uh, for this game, at least, it was fantastic to see. And, and that's playoff level performance. Uh, that's a playoff level defense right there, uh, by the Packers. Um, uh, they've done it and gotten better and better. Um, uh, now it's going to be incumbent on them to be able to continue to play at that level. Um, if they want to continue to advance and, and extend this season. Wags, I, you talk about kind of making your own luck. Um, and we talked about Jefferson. We talked a little bit about some of the, the other safeties and DBs. I thought Adrian Amos played best game he's played this season, uh, this week as well. He, he looked, um, in better position, looked a little more fluid, just moving well. Um, but I have to point out and, and folks go find it on social media. I think, uh, Barstool Sports shared it. Uh, Justin Jefferson on the, the Green Bay Packers sideline gets kind of pushed out of bounds in the sideline. And, um, you know, Wags, you talk about, um, you know, a confidence level and a, and a playoff defense level and Lambo was hopping and all that. But Jefferson gets pushed out and Jair's in his back ear. And then the entire Packer bench just starts to swarm around. And, and we saw them kind of start to bully Jefferson and start to chirp at him on the sidelines. And you saw kind of this defensive team mentality. Like you could tell they're starting to feel themselves. You could tell that they're starting to trust each other. You can tell that they're all going to be there for their brother on the sideline. And they swarmed around Jefferson and maybe one other Minnesota Viking. And, you know, they got off the field, all that stuff. But it was one of those things where you go, uh-oh. You take a look, you take a point and you go, that's the defense we're looking for. That's that fire. That's that, that's that, you know, motivation that you're looking for from the Packers. This is a Packers team that right now believes that they are invincible, that they can take on anybody. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's a real thing. I mean, Very real. look, go back to when uh, Marshawn Lynch turned into beast mode yes. and what, how the sideline of that Seattle Seahawks team reacted and the swagger that they carried with them, you know, and it got bigger and bigger from that moment forward. Uh, now, I'm not saying that we're suddenly going to, you know, turn into the Legion of Doom, but, um, you know, it, it, that I'm just pointing that out from a swagger and a confidence thing. Um, that togetherness, that mentality can, can really kind of be self-perpetuating in terms mm-hmm. of performance in, in many ways. So, um, so I, I, I'm excited to see how it manifests itself. I sure hope that it continues to develop and continues to result in high level play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I also think that special teams can have a big part in that mentality as well. And I don't know if you had anything else you want to touch on on the defense, but I'll tell you what, the way that teammates are talking about Kayshawn Nixon right now, I don't know if there's anyone more responsible for turning around this Packers season than Kayshawn Nixon in terms of swagger and electricity and what they're getting to see on the sideline and how happy they are for him. Uh, but um, it, it's really cool to see. And that culminating in that kickoff return this week, you can see that that is also something that is electrifying, not only the crowd at Lambeau, but that Packer sideline. And I think that they're really feeding off of uh, all of a sudden, we've got a dangerous special teams unit um, led by K9 leading the way on those kickoff returns. Oh, Wags, I, I chuckled. He takes one back to the house and all of a sudden he's returning punts too. Uh, I loved it. You know, he, he's a guy that, um, uh, he was questionable all week. And, uh, um, on, as the story goes, Sunday morning, he tested, he texted Bisaccia that he felt like a Ferrari. Um, that those are the stories you want, right? You want a guy that just like, he's got that confidence in himself. He's got that swagger and he backs it up and he just takes it to the house. You can tell he totally believes in himself and he believes in the guys around him. And those guys are, they want to get, be the guy that's, um, you know, having that final block that busts him open. You can see it. You saw it on, uh, on that opening kickoff. Uh, or the kickoff, I should say, he took back to the house. Um, Those guys were chasing him down with them, right? They were flying down the field with them. We saw a nice block from Patrick Taylor. Tyler Davis had a good block. Like you're seeing these guys making these blocks for him. And then K9 can make a guy miss and just take it to the house. When you have a guy like that, how do you not feed off that energy? And to boot, Keyshawn Nixon seems like a really likable, good locker room guy. The guys love this guy. You can tell that they love him. So he's a hardworking dude who's gotten his opportunity and he's making the most of it. Yeah, when Kenny Clark, uh, defensive lineman and star defensive player Kenny Clark says, anytime that Kayshawn's, uh back there, I got to get stand up on, on the sideline and see what's going to happen. You know, I mean, these types of things are not normal. Normally, no. guys are just kind of sitting on their bench doing their thing. And, you know, maybe, I don't want to say going through the motions, but they're not really paying attention to what's happening out there on a kick return. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that means something that's electric. So that, that's really cool to see. And I couldn't be happier. Came at again, came at a great moment. We did not expect Kayshawn Nixon to play in this game. Uh, we only got, uh, needed to get three snaps from him. Um, and they were three big ones. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I'm hopeful 
that uh, a light workload for him this past week, a highly impactful but light workload, um, means that he feels better and better and that he's uh, fully 100% or as close to 100% as we could hope for heading into this weekend. Yeah, the trainers worked him like crazy before the game. We're following on social media um, from from some of the reporters on on the scene saying, you know, he was getting um, worked out by the head trainer. And he, I think Kayshawn put an hour in, I'm not exaggerating, before the game to prove that he was good to go. So, I mean, that that's a, that's that extra level, right? That's what a pro does. And just a, that's a pro's pro. And don't tell me that those guys don't see that he wants to play. He's not finding the excuse to not play. Dude wants to be out there playing with those guys. It's just great to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I also saw, this is pretty cool. Obviously, Kayshawn Nixon's the main reason for this, but um, in the Packers' four-game winning streak, their special teams is number one by DVOA in the <laughs> entire league. Um, who would have ever thought, Dave? Who would have ever thought? Like, they're still in, like, the low 20s, I believe, um, as of today, based on season-long performance. But we came into this season and we said, as long as it's not, like, 31st or 32nd mm-hmm. and as bad as it was last year if we can even just get average and honestly even though statistically you could say well they've been average you got to remember uh well over half the season uh it was uh amari uh rogers back there returning the ball and that was a disaster with turnovers uh low low productivity in the yardage per return and so Really, if you think about it, um, that just based on the return game alone, I mean, in the second half of the season, if they, if we would have had that the entire season, uh, this is probably a top ten special teams unit in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I don't know how special teams rankings all pair out. There's a lot of things that go into that coverages, um, you know, etc. But um, certainly, it's been much, much better this entire season, regardless of the Amari Rogers uh, misadventures that we had to deal with earlier in the season. Wags, so again, folks, we'll be talking about the the, the Lions on Thursday night, um, but um, I think it's that time where we should talk about our Leap Spirits players of the game again. Leap Spirits. Uh, vodka, awesome sponsor of this podcast. And I'm going to lead it to you right away, Wags, offensive or defensive. Um, who is your Leap, Spe- Leap Spirits player this week? Yeah, you know, in a way, it's card on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to lead there. Uh, but it's also easy. It's got to be Jair Alexander uh, as the Leap Spirits defensive player of the week this week. Uh, you hold Justin Jefferson, one of the top two, three receivers in the entire league, uh, to one catch for 15 yards. Again, he wasn't solely responsible, but he was a big, big initial part of that. And um, I think they followed his lead. You know, the rest of this defense followed Jair's lead. And uh, I know that you've been critical. I've been critical of Jair Alexander uh, a lot of times this season. I don't know if he's necessarily been the type of leader we would have liked. Um, he was a little miffed for not being voted by his peers as a captain. And I think maybe, um, hopefully he's growing and understanding that it takes more than just being the most talented player to be a leader. And uh, certainly, uh, while I would prefer he doesn't give, you know, grade A locker room material uh, leading up to the game every week as part of his quote unquote leadership style. Um, It was effective for this week and he backed it up. And for that reason, I really uh, have a hard time looking elsewhere 
for anyone but Jair Alexander as a defensive X factor this week. That said, you've got to give special shout out to a few other guys, right, Dane? Because uh, there was some really good performances from a number of other players on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Clark, uh, even TJ Slayton was phenomenal. Uh, I thought Adrian Amos was good. Russell um, Douglas. Razul Douglas was great. Darnell Savage had, you know, one of those important plays, I think, for him um, after the benching and the injuries and some of the things he's had. And Hellwags, even the guy who didn't throw the pads on, Joe Barry, um, finding a way to get guys in the right position and they're motivated and they're playing really well. Um, Barry this week, it sounds like, um, gave uh, Jair and Razul Douglas um, uh, the, the decision on how to cover Jefferson to a certain degree. I love that. You know what? He's learning his guys. He's reading the locker room. He's clearly changing how things are uh, have been done in the past. And Wags, um, in the second half of this game, they didn't go into a soft cover zone. They stayed aggressive. I mean, so give Joe Barrett credit as, as well, even though he didn't wear the pads. Um, he's been, I think, an important part of this. Yeah, for sure. So are you going though with Jair? I'm going with Jair. I don't, if if you shut out Justin Jefferson against the Minnesota Vikings, the year that Jefferson's had, the way that they did, it's Jair all the way. I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. So um, definitely a number of shout outs, but uh, Jair it is for defensive X factors. So Dane, I'll let you um, uh, lead off on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. um, My leap spirits offensive player this week is Aaron Jones. Um, just a marvelous performance on only 14 carries, 111 yards rushing, uh, another thousand yard season for Aaron. Um, when he touches the ball, uh, thing, good things happen for the Packers. And when he's worked in, good things happen for the Packers. He's been uh, gutting through injuries and he just goes out and performs. He plays. He's a good dude off the field. He's a hell of a football player on it. Um, you know, kind of guy that every team wishes they had a few of is Aaron Jones and the Packers happen to have him and uh, he's contributing and, and he's a huge reason why the Packers not only won in week 17 but a number of these weeks prior um, but Aaron Jones for that reason and so many more is my Leap Spirits offensive player this week. Yeah, um, I really have nothing else to add. I think he's the clear choice this week as well. Um, excellent performance. Certainly the offensive line should deserve special mention and shout out as a whole unit um, this week. Uh, but uh, great, great job by Aaron Jones. I figured he was due. He was due for a game like that. And hopefully he can continue to be fresh and uh, be efficient and play at a high level. And that the Packers don't forget to hand him the football um, here as we move forward as well. So, um, Dane, um, I don't even think we need to debate. Let's just say it. Special teams, uh, player of the week, Kayshawn Nixon, man. Wow. Yeah. Like, um, you just, we, we were just singing his accolades for a whole segment. Um, so uh, that, uh, that doesn't even really take any pontificating. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, great, great performance. And uh, yet another shout out. I want to shout out Mason Crosby though, too, because I, I don't think he was going to do kickoffs in this game. And, um, unfortunately, Ahmed got hurt in pregame uh i wasn't aware of that until after yeah. the game um but uh, not only did mason go out there and got out kickoffs all game uh but kicks a, a career long field goal at lambeau field um on january 1st so yeah. how about that dan is that's that's uh definitely deserves i think a little bit of a shout out as well 
Oh, it absolutely does. And Matt LaFleur um, said it, you know, he was mulling over and maybe doing a Hail Mary to end the half. And he said it didn't matter. He looked over and Crosby was already running on the field. He said, I guess we're kicking a field goal. And Crosby went and nailed it. So how awesome is that? Huge play for Mason Crosby, a true legend uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us here. I know we're a little off schedule um, going on a Tuesday here this evening, but we'll be back Thursday for a special week 18 win and in preview edition episode. We're going against the Lions. I can't wait to dig into this, Dane. Meaningful football. A month ago, I would have said, realistically, there's no really no chance. But here we are. Here we uh, are. Control our own destiny. Not going to be easy, but you couldn't have asked for a better scenario. Uh, so really excited to come back Thursday night and talk Packer potential playoff football uh, heading into this final game of the season. Yeah, so, uh, so buckle up, folks. And uh, Wags, how about I close this one out? Be legendary. And go pack go. Go pack go. Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will say.